want to talk to you today about the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. One writer said that the ascension is the perfect church holiday because the world can't steal it. The world doesn't know what to do with it. I bet you did not get a greeting card saying happy ascension day this week. And she goes on and, and tells a story about how when she was in high school, she was in um, the marching band. And on Christmas Day, they had a parade throughout the town. And one year, Santa Claus was flown in by a helicopter. And then later, there was a parade for Easter. And the Easter bunny was flown in. And then she said, but the world hasn't the foggiest idea to what to do with somebody who has flown out. That is what we're going to be talking about today. The ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to have more than just a foggy idea about why the ascension of Jesus matters. Because his ascension, Jesus's entry into heaven, is, is really the crowning event of his work. Uh, he lived a perfect life in our place. He died a death on the cross for our sins as a sacrifice. God raised him from the dead on the third day. And all of that culminates, what crowns that is his entry into heaven, his entry and his exaltation into heaven. And that's what I want to talk about today, why the ascension of Jesus matters. And I have three points, and the points I want to make are simply this. I want us to think about the position of the ascended Christ. And then I want us to think about the power that the ascended Christ has for his church. And then the promise of the ascension. So the position, the promise, I mean the power and the promise. So first of all, the, the position of the ascended Christ. We see what happens. This mysterious, miraculous thing takes place. And Luke tells us in the, in the book of Acts what happened as Jesus was talking to his apostles and it says in verse 9, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, in the Bible, clouds mean something more than just droplets of water or ice crystals. Clouds in the Bible signify, symbolize the presence of God, the glory of the presence of God. So you remember in the Old Testament that God led the people of Israel through the wilderness by a, a cloud. And then also another scene in the Old Testament that involves the cloud of God's glorious presence is when Solomon dedicated the temple. And it says that as the singers were singing and as the musicians were playing their instruments, they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, into the Holy Holies, and the cloud of God's Glorious presence filled the temple so much that the priests couldn't stand. So the cloud represents the presence of God, the glorious presence of God. And what we see on Ascension Day is that Jesus was taken up into the immediate presence of God. Into the glory of God. He came not into a temple made by hands, but into the immediate dwelling place. Of God's presence. So we can think about it this way. Somebody said it's not so much that he went up. It's that he went beyond. 
into this world of the presence of God into heaven, into the heavenly places. So he's in the immediate presence of God and God's glory. And then it tells us that he was seated in a position of power. Paul, the apostle, tells us that in uh, Ephesians chapter one. It says that in verse 20, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, we understand what it means to be somebody's right hand man. That's a position of power and authority. That's a position of delegated power and authority, right? If you say somebody is that guy's so-and-so's right hand man, you know what that means. In ancient times, kings had people who sat at their right hand and, and those folks were sometimes called the king's assessor. And the king would delegate his power to the assessor who would help the king to rule and reign. And so what Paul is saying here is that this is the position of our Lord now. He's sitting at the right hand of the ruler of the universe. He's in the place of highest authority and power. And he is ruling not an eternal kingdom, the kingdoms that come and go. But he's ruling over the eternal kingdom of God. That will reign forever and ever. That is the position that our Lord Jesus is in. He's enthroned in heaven. In this position of authority. In the glorious presence of God. What that means for us. Is that as Christians. As those who are united to Christ by faith. His destiny is our destiny. His home is our home. He has made a way for us. To live forever in the eternal, glorious presence of God. He is the high priest who's gone into the Holy of Holies. But he's offering not a sacrifice of bulls and goats and lambs. He's offering a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice of his own life. And so we have access. This is what the book of Hebrews is all about. We have access to the glorious presence of God because our high priest has gone into the heavenlies. And where he is, the promises will be also. And that's a great promise. Because sometimes we feel, don't we, that this world is not enough. Sometimes we feel, in spite of maybe the, the, the wonderful things that we experience and the joy that we experience in this life, it begins to fade and wane and it kind of comes and goes. And we think, is this all there is to life? And that, that sense of wanting more, I think, is God speaking to us about an eternal home, a heavenly home. In His presence, there will be fullness of joy and everlasting peace. So our Lord has ascended into the heavenlies to make a way for us to be there with Him. That's His position. And then from this position, He gives the church power. Think about the power available to the church because of the position that Christ is in. And he talks about this power to his apostles, doesn't he? In the book of Acts, he talks about the power that's going to be available to them through the Holy Spirit. 
He says, but you will receive, verse 8, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. What is this power for? Well, the power of the Spirit, the power of the kingdom, is for kingdom people to do kingdom things. And it's to expand the kingdom of God through the witness of the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are not alone in this mission. Yes, Christ's bodily presence has gone to heaven, but he is still with us by his spirit. And the spirit's power is available to us and is promised to us and is with us. Uh, the Anglican Church in North America has a catechism. And some of you know about this and maybe some of you don't, but there's a catechism of the Anglican Church in North America. You can get this online. Just go ahead and Google it. We give it to our kids who are going through catechism. But um, in the catechism, in the church catechism, it says this about the ascension of Christ and the relevance of the ascension of Jesus. It says this, though absent in body, Jesus is always with me by his spirit and he hears me when I pray. Though absent in body, Jesus is with me by his spirit. Because he's with me, he hears me. He hears me when I pray. And because he's in heaven, he's interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. We can have confidence that our prayer is heard and answered according to God's perfect will. So the ascended Christ gives us power to witness. And we as a church need to continually depend and upon this power and, and pray for this power and appropriate this this power. We'll talk about that more next week because next week is what? Pentecost Sunday. But um, there's another kind of power that's talked about in our readings. And in uh, particularly in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and that is power over other spiritual forces. He says in verse 21 that Christ in the heavenly places is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come, in the one to come. Now, the, the, those terms that Paul's using there, rulers, authorities, powers, dominions, later on in the book, he'll talk about principalities and powers. Okay. Historians tell us that in this context, in the context of Ephesian, in the, Ephesus in the first century, which was a stew of paganism and all sorts of alternative religious practices, pagan practices and things that we would even call occultic today. People were attracted by spiritual power in this context and they feared it, too. They worshiped the stars. They worshiped gods and goddesses. But historians will tell us that these Terms that he uses, verse 21, rulers, authorities, powers and dominions. These are the terms that people in first century Ephesus used to talk about these gods and goddesses. And so what Paul is saying here to these Christians is who came from that context. You don't have to be afraid anymore of those powers that you once worshipped or that you once tried to placate through sacrifice or ritual because there is a power that's greater than all other spiritual powers. It's Jesus Christ. He's risen. He's ascended and he's ruling. So through the power of Christ, there can be freedom from these other spiritual forces of evil. 
And one thing that we see in the early church, one of the reasons that the early church grew in this pagan environment was that the church demonstrated through the power of Christ authority over evil spirits. What that has to say to us today as Christians is that we can proclaim to a world, to a culture where many people are addicted. Many people are in bondage. Many people suffer from compulsions. Many people are in deep despair and darkness and suicidal. The church of Jesus Christ can say there's a power greater than that darkness that you're going through. It's the power of Jesus Christ. We can proclaim that. And we can minister to people in that power. That's part of what we're called to do as a church. So Paul says there's this power that Christ, our risen Lord, our head, he's the head over the church, has for the church. Which is, he says at the end, the body of Christ. The, the head, he says, is Christ who is over all things to the church, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we, brothers and sisters, are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus to this world. He's in heaven and he has power available to us. He's our living head. And as we stay connected to him, the blessing and the power flows from him, the living Lord, to his body, the church. And I was reading something um, that a doctor had written. Dr. Paul Brand, who uh, was a renowned surgeon and he worked with patients who had leprosy, Christian. And he's written several things talking about the, the metaphors of the, of the body and of the natural world in the Bible. And he talks about, he elaborates on this metaphor of Christ as the head and the church as the body of Christ. And I like how he, he, he elaborates and gives a different perspective from his medical background on this. But he says this, this is Dr. Paul Brand. Of all the marvelous aspects of the human body, there is no greater wonder than that every one of the hundred trillion cells in my body have access to the head, to the mind. hundred trillion cells in our body. And each of them, he says, has a connection to the, the brain. He says, now some cells, like those having to do with our sight, have a direct connection, direct neurological connection to the brain. Other cells have channels that are available to them so they can signal when they're in trouble or they can report their status. But every cell has a connection to the head. And he says this, and in the body of Christ, I know of no greater wonder that each of us as members of the body have direct contact with Christ himself, the head. And he said, the, the thing is, is that we need to maintain that connection for us to have a healthy body. We maintain that connection through prayer. We maintain that connection through prayer. And we ask the living Lord to fill us with this power, the power to witness, the power to push aside the, the darkness in our world, in our own life. It's power that's available to us because of where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. So the position, the power, and then I want us to note the promise that we have because of the ascension of Christ. So back in, in Acts, in our reading from Acts, and it says that in verse 9, while um, Jesus 
said these things, they, the apostles were looking on and he was lifted up and he was taken into this cloud, the glorious presence of God. And then while they were gazing into heaven, verse 10, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angelic beings. And they said, men of Galilee, why are you just standing there looking into heaven? <laughs> well, because somebody just ascended. I've uh, not seen that much. Uh, you know, you would think the angels would give them a little bit of a break. But uh, I guess the angels are used to seeing incredible things all the time. And uh, and obviously we're not. But the point is. Don't just stand up there looking into heaven. You've got work to do. In the meantime, here's the promise. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The promise is the king is returning. The promise is that the kingdom of God will one day come fully and finally to this world. The promise is that when he comes, he's going to set things right. You know, the disciples said before this happened, they said, is this the time, Lord, that God is going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were yearning for the restoration of the kingdom of God. Because they were suffering defeat. They wanted God to deliver them from their enemies and they wanted God to make things right. And if we think about the brokenness of our world and just think about what happened this week in the news, what's been happening, I think we can relate to that yearning. And that question, Lord, when? When are you going to come? When are you going to make things right? You know, you get into your, your news feed this week, terrorist attack in Manchester, England. And how many people were killed? Was it 22 dead? Many of them were children and teenagers. And then a couple of weeks ago, the headline, Venezuela is starving. Once Latin America's richest country, Venezuela, can no longer feed its people. Or just a couple of days ago, was it 28 or 29 Coptic Christians were killed by ISIS? And again, many of them were young people and children and families. And we look at these things and we, we can totally relate to the apostles' question. Lord, when? But Jesus says, I'm not going to give you the answer to when. It's not for you to know. But the promise is it's going to happen. And that's a promise that we can bank on because Christ is risen and because he's ascended to heaven. And, and, and for now, our work is to proclaim that and to see the kingdom of God come as we witness to him in word and deed. One day, heaven and earth is going to be joined and God is going to make things right. And that gives us hope. But in the meantime, let's not just stand around looking up. There's things for us to do. The ascended Lord has gone before us and he's not left us alone. He's left us the spirit. And so our response, I think, to to the ascension of Jesus is is, a, is is some of the responses that we see the apostles here. In Luke, it tells us that after he ascended to heaven, they worshiped him. They worshiped Christ. They were filled with joy and they were continually blessing God. So let's join the apostles this week. And worshiping Jesus, letting the joy of what Jesus has done for us fill our hearts and minds and bless God this week. That our Christ has gone, our Lord has gone before us to prepare a place for us. He's made a way for us to have access to the throne of grace. He's made a place for us to have an eternal dwelling.
Can we praise God and bless him for that? And then the second thing that the apostles did between Ascension and Pentecost, and that's where we're at. Okay, right now we're between Ascension and Pentecost. The second thing they did is it says later on in Acts, they devoted themselves to prayer. They were praying for the spirit to come and to fill them and to empower them to do what God's called them to do. And church, that's what we need to do this week. This week, take some time to pray for a special Pentecost day. And pray for a special filling or refreshing of the spirit's work in our hearts as individuals and in this church, because we have a mission and we can't do it. Apart from the spirit, we have a mission to reach out to this community and our friends and our neighbors. So let's ask for the spirit to empower us to do that this week. Amen.